warning. This podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. Gather round for another episode of True Horror Stories. As you all know, I always love a good uh, verified story. A verified story on Reddit is one where the posters have given some sort of evidence to the moderators to show that their story is true. So our first story tonight is a verified one. Very interesting. And speaking of, a big thanks goes to our contributors for sharing their stories with us tonight. User Blue Tarp Horror and user Nerdy Red Eye Jedi. They were both nice enough to share their stories with us. We also have a new member of the Nightmare Society online campfire today, so a big welcome goes to April. Thanks so much for your support, April, and thanks for being a listener. We're so glad to have you. If you're interested in supporting the Nightmare Society, feel free to check out patreon.com slash nightmare society. There's different membership levels and options for each, so have a look around. You can also support us by leaving a positive review if your podcatcher allows. If it doesn't, feel free to jump over to our YouTube channel. We do share the episodes there as well, and I think we might be looking to grow that here soon. So uh, head over there and give us a follow, a like, a comment, whatever you have the time for. We do appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. That's usually where the most up-to-date announcements goes, uh, as well as our Patreon. Speaking of announcements, if you're not a part of our Instagram or Patreon, we recently announced that we will be expecting a fairly new member to the Nightmare Society coming in May of 2022 on Cinco de Mayo which feels incredibly appropriate. So, that is the scary news. Now on to the scary stories. So, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. As much as I'd love to be a writer, I am not one. But throughout reading and listening to other people's horror stories, I've scrubbed my mind trying to think, has anything ever happened to me that I could share, like I'm sure we all have. It wasn't until last week I started thinking about posting my dad's story here. Spring of 2014 is slow season for my father's business. The weather is nice and the roads are clear, which means slow shifts at an auto shop. It was mid-April, 
around 4 p.m. The wind was pulling in a nice breeze when my dad, Bill, was walking along the side of his shop. It happened to overlook a small stream and running trail, which he enjoyed gazing at near the end of his shift. The side of the building ran along the top of a steep hill, which turned into the path. He heard a ruffling in the wind, and about halfway down the hill, he sees a big blue tarp. Being very proud of his business and its appearance, he started to climb down the hill. He was just about to grab it. He was about 15 feet away, to toss it in the dump, when he saw a car pull up into the lot. He turned around and went to help his customer. When 5.30pm rolls around, he closes up and goes home, forgetting about the tarp. The next afternoon, Bill is sitting in his office when three policemen come in. They ask my father and co-workers a bunch of questions about any suspicious behavior they might have seen. By the way, my dad is extremely charismatic and friendly. He oftentimes talks people into sharing information with him that they really shouldn't. He looks like someone you can trust. And you can. He seemed to always have the insider details about things like this. He used his humor to make people feel comfortable which helped getting strangers to open up to him. Anyway, Bill and his co-worker Hank are talking with a female police officer when she lets it slip that a body had just been discovered just down the hill. Oh shit, I was just down there yesterday morning cleaning. I didn't see a body though. My dad said. Around what time? Did you happen to see a large blue and white tarp while you were cleaning the area? She asked intensely. Uh, actually, yeah, I almost grabbed it yesterday, but I ended up getting distracted. She asks him more questions about what time, what he saw, etc. When he asked her if the body was found in the tarp, she told him yes, in fact it was. A woman jogging found it this morning around 10.30am. My dad was floored. He was just there, yesterday. After a few more questions, the police all head to the crime scene to finish the initial investigation. No one was allowed on the scene, and the police were asking that passers-by not take any pictures. Luckily for you guys, my dad took one from his office window. You can find this photo on our Instagram, at Nightmare Society Radio. Or, if you're a Patreon member, you've probably already seen it. You can see near the top of the photo the running trail. Just in front of that is part of the creek that has dried up. There are the officers and such searching for whatever they were searching for. You can also see just left of the officer in black a teeny shade of blue. That would be the tarp. Flash forward a few days, the police went back to my father's shop. They noticed the security cameras set up around the building, and they were hoping that they might catch something on tape. While transferring the data over, my dad started asking questions about the murder. He learned it was a middle-aged man that had been stabbed to death. Not too much to go on as it seemed. Hey, you know there's a couple of meth heads that live in this shack behind our shop. It's connected to that bar. Bill, my dad, started talking about his own predictions for the whodunit scenarios. 
he continued. Yeah, we got a lot of problems with them. Stealing scrap metal from the back, letting their dogs run wild. Even had them threaten to shoot me once when I was out there spraying their dogs with water to quit the barking. You should check them out. The officer nodded, gathered the rest of his things, and left. Hey, Hank, let's go down there, see if we can find anything cool. My father whispered to his co-worker. Eh, alright, I I guess it couldn't do any harm, Hank replied hesitantly. They started down the hill where the trench was found. The grass was flat and the tarp was now gone. They walked around for about 15 or so minutes when Bill headed up the stream a little ways. The trail runs under a main road and then leads to a man-made lake. Just under the bridge, the water starts to get heavier, and the trees are a bit thicker. He noticed a red Lowe's cart by one of the trees. I'm going to take that for the shop. He thought as he ran over to pull it out of the stream. Calling over Hank for help, the two of them pull it out and start wheeling it back up the hill. Suddenly, my dad stops. He sees something on the cart. What is that rusty-looking stuff? Hank, stop. Look at the fucking cart. Is that blood? They look closer, and sure enough, blood. It was all over the cart. On the handle, on the wheels, and on the side. There's photos of this available as well on Instagram and Patreon. But it wasn't only blood he started to notice. Hair. Human hair. Utterly stunned, my dad calls the policewoman he had been talking to the previous days and explained what they found. For whatever reason, the police department were very skeptical that this was evidence. At first, they didn't even believe my father. When he told them that it made no sense to make up, they sent out a car. There were two police officers and a CSI. The CSI asked my dad why he thought it was blood. Because it looks like blood, sir. I'm not sure. How do you know that that's human hair? The CSI asked. Because it looks like human hair. My dad snapped sarcastically. Why did he seem so hesitant? They used a chemical test and sure enough it tested positive for human blood. They took the card as evidence and thanked my dad. Again, my dad tried to give his opinion on the whole mystery killer thing and who it might be. He suggested again that they talk with the crazy neighbors behind his auto shop. Still, no information was taken down and they left with what they had. Two more days pass. My dad is leaving the shop to go get some things from Costco. There's a small dirt alley that leads onto the main road, just behind his work. In the past, it had been blocked by one of the meth addict's car. They were complaining to my dad and his boss about the business driving cars back and forth through the alley, disrupting them. He notices it's open and decides to take the shortcut to his destination. But something was off. He saw the usual blocked car sitting in front of the shack. The door was wide open and there was someone sitting on their knees with the upper body inside the car. He got in his car and crept up, just a little, 
so he could see what was happening. He right away recognized the skinny, red-headed woman as the female that lived in the shack. It was the shack guy's wife-slash-girlfriend. He didn't know exactly. She was on her hands and knees surrounded with hard chemicals, bleach, comet, oxyclean, and much more. My dad had said that he knew right then that they were guilty. For one, why would someone be scrubbing their car with straight chemicals? No water, no rinsing. It was in the middle of the day on a hot, hot June afternoon. Second, they happened to be only two blocks away from a local car wash. He said it felt off, and he knew to trust his instincts. She just kept scrubbing and scrubbing the passenger side floor. He pulled out his phone and started recording her. Now, he's known this woman and her significant other for a few years now. Like I said, they complained about my father's workers, and he complained about their dogs on and off for a while. It was all harmless bickering. My dad, always trying to be the funny guy, yells out his window as he's driving past. Covering up a murder? (laughs) He laughed and drove away, hearing her say screw you as he drove off just in slightly more colorful language this time when he called the police they took it very seriously he explained that she was cleaning the car aggressively and that it seemed like she was trying to bleach something out of the car the next day the police department went by to talk with the residents of the shack the day after that they made an arrest After searching the shack, they found a large blood stain soaked into the plywood floor. Once the blood was seen, the wife-slash-girlfriend crumbled and told the police everything. It was her husband, BF, whatever, and the victim. The victim's name was Rich. He had gone over to their little house to shoot up and get high. Someone ended up accusing Rich of putting some of the dope aside for himself, and things got heated. Eventually, the husband started to physically fight with Rich. Then he stabbed him. He bled out on the floor and died. They didn't know what to do, so they stole the Lowe's cart to move him around, loaded him into the car, wrapped him in the tarp, and pushed his body down the hill. They ditched the cart, thinking the river would wash it down far enough that he wouldn't be found. My dad and Hank sat in their car while they watched the police arrest Don, the suspected murderer. He took a video of that as well. You can hear my dad very inappropriately yelling out his window, Ha ha, killer, in the video. Both were videos he lost when he switched phones. But here's a link to a site that reported on the events. This site currently goes to an error message, unfortunately. My dad says that he's going to start a PI business because he solved a murder, all on his own. I used to work at a security company with a bunch of friends. We all got along well and most of us even hung out after work. 
The ones I didn't hang out with kept to themselves. There were two brothers that worked nights with me, and they were their own group. They were new to the company and would have many conversations about their guns. Bill was the older brother, and Luke was the younger one. After hearing Luke and Bill talk about target shooting so much, I developed an interest. I don't own a single firearm, but my roommate owns several. I mentioned at work one night that I was going shooting in the morning with my roommate, and I needed a good place to go. Well, the two brothers pointed out a spot on Google Earth for me and said it was great, and they've shot there once before. It was about 45 minutes away and higher up in the mountains. I knew the spot precisely due to a single image posted to the coordinates on Google Earth with used shotgun shells covering the ground. I decided that was as good a spot as any and told my roommate, Don, where to drive us. We arrived the next morning at 10 a.m. and parked at the top of the hill. We saw our spot about 150 yards away in a clearing down in the valley and began hiking down. On a quick side note, I wear this very bright neon yellow hooded sweatshirt at work and during the winter. I am also a pretty large fella. Being big and brightly colored makes you visible from very far away. I've seen hunters using bright colors to avoid accidentally getting shot by other hunters. I decided to wear my trademark bright hoodie on our little hike. We made it a quarter of the way down the hill and I see a group of fellow target shooters at our desired spot. These were the only other people we had seen in 30 minutes. Ugh, our spot's taken. Lame. I said. The second I said lame, that's when the shit hits the fan. We were on the other side of the mountain, walking down towards them, and the rounds start flying. This group was shooting at us. Don and I were targets for about three guns, and we didn't have any immediate cover. I see Don running across the mountain, strafing the shooters. I see what he was running for. It was a small plateau about 20 yards next to us. The sounds of bullets flying inches away from my ears is a sound I will never forget. Movies do not do the sound justice at all. Not even close. I still get chills thinking about it now. The vibration and rotation of the bullets chilled my bones. It's not a sound I want to ever hear again. It made everything go slow motion and very clear. My adrenaline was kicking in. We made it to cover and hit the dirt. We were pinned down, but we had cover now. I had to have heard at least a hundred rounds pass just over the lip of the plateau. I heard a pistol, a rifle, and a shotgun. I know I did. The trees, boulders, and mountainside were being hammered by round after round. If we sat up from our cover, we would have been shot in the face. These people were shooting up a hill, towards a road. They had their backs to their paper targets. Thinking back on it, my father said I should have yelled down to them to let them know they were shooting at two people and to hold their fire. 
But the thing is, I think they knew they were shooting at us. How could they not? We weren't that far, and the mountainside was almost bare. I didn't want to let them know they were close to hitting us. I should have shot back. We had the high ground. But I'm not a killer. We just waited and listened for their footsteps and wanted them to stay where they were. If we were killed, no one would find our bodies out there. Fifteen minutes went by and the gunfire did not let up. Until... It just ended. The mountain was quiet again. After five or more minutes of silence, we checked down the hill. They were gone. We had our guns ready as we scanned the valley down below. Nothing. No more guys. No vehicle. Just their garbage left behind. We decided this was a great time to get the heck out of the hills. We made it back to our car and back to our house faster than ever. When I went back to work the next shift, I told this story to everyone. I even thanked Bill for the sweet advice. He apologized for the bad locals and said that's crazy. Another co-worker told me Bill and Luke went out shooting the same morning as I did, in the same area. I asked Bill about it immediately. I asked him where he went shooting and what guns he brought to shoot. He pointed at the same freaking Google Earth image as before. Luke, his friend, and Bill were using a Glock, a 22 rifle, and a 12-gauge shotgun. It was all coming together so quickly. I told him he was a psycho, and he almost killed us. He denied shooting at us and even changed his mind about where they were shooting. He said he was actually two miles west because his GPS was inaccurate. I knew he was lying, but what could I do? I had no proof. He worked with me for another two years before I moved away and never heard from them again. I remember how emotionless he was when he denied shooting at me. He was like a robot. We never spoke of it after the first time, and I haven't gone shooting since. For all the media spoken about during this podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash nightmare society. I'll have it all posted there. You can see it whether you're a member or not. It will be viewable to the public. If you follow us on Instagram, it'll be available there as well. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Sweet dreams.